0: So good morning Father's House. I've already greeted North End, but I'm now greeting our churches streaming online into your services, especially Jeffrey's Bay. Uh, good morning to you. I believe you also had a slightly cooler morning. Did you notice a little bit of winter this morning? Just a little bit of winter, but it's warming up. It's warming up outside. It's warming up in our hearts Just a little cheesy comment, but good morning. Good morning to those of you watching online. I especially am greeting Botswana. Quite a few of you watching from Botswana. I've had some emails from Botswana asking questions and engaging. Uh, Germany represented this morning also online. Somalia represented this morning also online. So I thought I'd greet you guys. And then to our our local Nelson Mandela Bay Christian radio station, uh, Kingfisher FM, who uh, broadcast our message live also. So good morning to you all. We're in part two of a series that we do from time to time. This is the fifth edition or iteration of this series called Eden. The idea is to try to confront why God put us on this planet in the first place and to try and navigate the mentalities that sometimes get thrown at us about life on earth. And to avoid the idea that we should all just wait for death because then real living starts, when actually the Bible teaches us that we waited for the death of Jesus so that real living can start for us. There was a death, it was His. There is a new life, it is ours. It starts now, not sometime in the future. You're waiting for the wrong person to die. Last week, I talked to you about how important it is for us to recognise that God has called us to conquer and to stop having a scarcity mentality. In fact, I think I titled my message, Would I Lie to You? What I really wanted to title it was, A Killer Instinct. But I knew that was too much at eight or nine in the morning. But I do still mean it. I think we should learn to kill and eat, but in the biblical sense. Please don't randomly rush out of the auditorium and kill things. But I I do think this, But I do think this idea that there isn't enough and we must all sort of, you know, only eat rabbit food. I'm sorry to offend you if that's your preference. It isn't mine. But that idea that we must be less rather than reach for more maybe needs to be confronted. And it isn't a person's fault. It's a spirit's fault. The spirit of this world is teaching us to live with a mindset of scarcity. The spirit of God teaches us to live with a mindset of abundance. Abundance. Can you say amen to that? Now, I'm already very hyper-charismatic right now. I don't know why I'm so energised. Too many coffee beans. It's the red band coffee bean. It's got that extra voomer in it. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'll stop doing that now. <clears throat> um, this morning, I've titled my message, Taking Care of Business Like a Boss. Yes. Like a boss. Let me tell you a personal story about why this idea is so important, this mentality, biblical Mindset is so crucial and while there is a clash of worlds that we need to confront. Many years ago, when I was a teenager, we went through a thing called Y2K. Most of you don't remember it because you weren't born then, but Y2K was this terrifying thing that would happen when the clock turned to the year 2000. We were all told two things would happen. Our bank accounts would just go to zero. that all computers were not programmed to co- cope with the year 2000. And, would, and so people like me, my people, the Greeks, we took our money out of the banks and put them in our mattresses, which it turns out was the safest thing to do anyway. But that aside, there was this great fear. Paired with that, the church caught up with this whole idea and started preaching about the end of the world. All we talked about was Jesus coming back. Amy Grant produced a song about the return of the Lord. We stood at campfires watching the sunset and hearing the trumpet somewhere in our ears and we were on our way out. And I preached it well. I was good at my job. But I was at a university and one day I got a phone call from the rector of the university. He's the main man in charge who allows us to have a venue. And he phoned me and said, you need to come see me. Now you've all got the same anxiety I had that day. He said, what do you think you're doing? I said, I'm preaching Jesus. My daughter's in your church. You're causing problems. I said, why? He said, back off on this end of the world thing. These young people are here for a bright future and you're dimming the light. You think you could find something else in that big book of yours to preach about Mm -hmm. other than that? (laughs) Why are you clapping for him now? Do you know, I, I, was, I was shocked. but Sometimes somebody just has to put a mirror up in front of you and say, can you just calm down? And maybe I'm saying it about me, but me fairly representing just church life and this topic fairly representing Christians in general. Why have we packed our sword waiting for the bus home when Jesus said we should be spending life on earth, weapon in one hand, armour of God in the other, and slaying as we're supposed to? Oh, okay, so I, I deliberately used that word, slay. Just, just hang on, just all the, all the cool people who think you invented the word slay. I did like a history on slaying, uh, just for fun, because I was going to use it this morning. You know? um, and what's, what's the terminology when you research the history of a word, the entomology of the word? The entomology, of, do you know when the word slaying used to represent someone whose fashion is on point first became popular in the early 1800s? I'm not lying, Google it. And also Matt for saying that, come see me after the service for a performance review. So, <clears throat> I'm joking, I'm joking, I need water. But perhaps this idea of having to conquer is, is truly important. Taking care of business like a boss. I wanted to share that last week, that work is a blessing that the idea of having responsibility for eden a geographic or sphere the um, space that god gives to you was part of god's paradise not got part of satan's curse think you didn't just sort of sit around and then the fruit grew and then they came to your mouth by themselves you worked the land you've got to work it work is a blessing now today i want to tell you work is a blessing and everything is work The problem is the spirit of this world not only is downscaling our life's expectation, the spirit of this world is having you work on things that don't need working and leaving things to God that need your working. What are you working on? And what's working on you? And I'd like to have that conversation a little. So for the purpose of that discussion, I'm gonna share three scriptures with you. But by the time we get to Proverbs, there's one in Proverbs that's hectic. I thought I'd just let you know. There's one in Proverbs. There's there's, uh, quite a punchy one, so I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. Back to Genesis, where this entire topic started. Now, the Lord God, chapter two, verse eight. Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there He put the man He had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden, there was that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In verse 10, a river uh, of uh, watering the garden flowed from Eden. And from there, it was separated into four headwaters. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to, to work it and take care of it. God's design for man was to work at something. That was before the serpent, before sin, before Eve, before everything, He put the man in the garden and He wanted the man to work it. And by the way, then He created Eve. And I think that sometimes we get the order wrong. I think that you are more ready for a partner in life when you know what you're called to work at in life so that you can choose wisely someone who can work with you, not someone who can work on you. I know how sometimes a partner works on your last nerve, but the, the <laughs> uh, there's a comedian who tells a great joke about that he says that he's discovered as a man that his wife is somewhere on a on a, a spectrum called a tether. And he says that as a man, you will never know where your wife is on the tether, except that someday she will wake up and say that she has come to the end of her tether. And when that happens, you must just apologise and keep apologising. There's no way of measuring the tether. I guess that's Stuart's, the commuter's Michael McIntyre if you want to YouTube it. Ezekiel chapter 47 Um, is almost in the middle of the Bible. Last week I read from Revelation 22, end of the Bible, also a river flowing from God, trees of life, healing of the nations. Just a reminder. Ezekiel 47, there's a very important punchline in this before we get to the uh, conversation on what God wants us to work on as a blessing. Ezekiel 47.1, the man brought me is a vision. Uh, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. The prophet Ezekiel is seeing a vision and he sees himself going to a temple. Entrance of the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. You see a repetition there, don't you? As the man went eastward uh, with a measuring line, I've I've jumped to verse 3, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. Now if you know the rest of the verse, you'll know that the the angel keeps walking a thousand cubits and measures some more, and then it goes from ankle deep to uh, knee deep, and then a thousand, and from knee deep to, and then eventually so deep you have to, you have to swim. There is one very important idea here, and that is um, that there is a a philosophy, a, a, a a Christian mindset that I think is as wrong as over-preaching the end times. And that is the idea that the most spiritual part of your life, the deepest part of your life is when you're at the altar, But this verse says, the further away from the temple, but into life you go, the deeper the water of God's presence and God's favour. This isn't supposed to be your deepest moment of your week. This is supposed to be your fueling moment. Your deepest moment is 100 metres, 1,000 metres, 2,000 metres, 5,000 metres from here, if you know how to carry water from here to a dry and thirsty land. We have this mindset that out there is is dry and here in church and spiritual activity is deep. must be careful of that because eventually it's never deep enough and then the churches have to get weirder and deeper and stranger, you know, and compete with one another on weirdness and deepness and strangeness because people coming here to find deep. But deep is taking water to a dry and thirsty land. It's what I'm meant to work on. And my carry capacity is stretched when I worship in God's house and I receive the purity of the living water, uh, uh, a well gushing up into everlasting life, says John 7, 38, from within me. But then I've got to carry it to where water is needed. I think there's a, a mindset problem. You know, Christianity taught badly is very bad for you. Christianity taught badly is very bad for you. It puts you in fear. It makes you uh, 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 see the world as only ugly. But, but faith taught well sees you as a blessing and the world in need of you. And that the, the, the places in the world you walk uh, into are going to go from desert to, to, to an oasis of life. And that beauty lies in where God wants you to go. Can you say amen to that? Thank you very much for doing that. There's a a second consequence I want to remind you of. The first is this mentality that deep is a a church service and everything else is bad. That's not wise. But there's a a second idea that that I think is very important. When Adam and Eve left the Garden of Eden, well, they were kicked out. When Adam and Eve was kicked out of the Garden of Eden, they became wanderers and nomads. And do you know to this day, um, a person who is not... Uh, at peace with God, has a wandering, unsettled spirit. They think they can sort it out in all. They work on all the wrong things. Do you know they say to themselves, "Well, if I just wasn't in PE, you know, I just got to be." Look, if you got to go, you got to go. Andrea and Sammy going to the UK to plant our first church in the UK, right, right? That's the plan, right? That's right. Come on, I need those pounds. I mean. Um, There is a wondering thing you say to yourself well, if, I've just, if I'm just in a relationship, then, then I'll be at peace. If, I, if I'm just out of this relationship, then I'll, I'll, I'll be at peace. If I just have two kids, I'll, I'll, you know. And you're wondering all the time, moving from thing to thing, trying to resolve something that can only really be resolved spiritually. There is a discontentment in the heart of man, a feeling out of place. And I'm very aware, Ryan said, how are you going to preach Eden Sunday? You're going to bring your A game. Because since the, lo- the last time I saw you, the Rand hit its weakest point in history. We lost the mayor. And and like, I don't know what else I've got to say Like, what else must I say? I mean, at least the, the water, there seems to be actual rain. Well, let me tell you, uh, as dry as it gets out there, it just means our capacity has to grow to carry better water, into the world. I I think that's, I'm not worried about that. I I worry when the body of Christ, when Christians can't see wells in deserts. If all you can see is the desert, then you have the spirit of this world blinding your eyes. But if in a desert you can see a well, Christ, our living water, Uh, people are going to turn to Christ because every other system doesn't work. They're going to turn to Christ. The harder it gets, the more tender the soul. More tender the soul. And, and I think there's there's something to be said for that. So I, I promised you that I would take you to a verse that's that's hectic. This is the verse, because I want to confront something this morning before I share with you. Um, I'm going I'm to try my best to share three things you must win at or slay at from the Bible. And then I want to share with you five things but they're just going to be like rapid fire and that second part's like free. Um, uh, five five um, uh, stones, that sounds familiar. Five stones or five bags you need to build in your life. You must build in your life in order to feel like you're fulfilling the point of being on the planet. Okay, are we good with that? And I mean, we, we, could keep, you know, we, we could keep going till the 6pm, I suppose. Uh, we invite you to this. No, no one's even laughing. That's not even funny. Okay, that's not happening. Uh, Proverbs 12 is the verse I wanted to get you to. Proverbs 12, 11. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Now you might think, in what way is that hectic? I think, just like the snake has been lying to us that there is abundance, I think the snake is teasing us into fantasies from which you will get nothing. Just dreams about things that are neither realistic, relevant, designed by God for you, or even profitable. Preoccupying our minds about other people's lives rather than working our land caught myself the other day, my men's group will laugh at this because I refer to it. I caught myself the other day watching a YouTuber mow somebody else's lawn when my own lawn (laughs) needed to be mowed. Like, I think I need to put my observation of other people's lives down and actually go work on my life. And I think I'm especially speaking to a younger generation, you have become the spectators of somebody else's fantasies and your fields are not being worked. And you have to work your field, the space God designed you for, in order to have an abundant life. You have to work it. You have to work it. You absolutely have to trust God to step out into things that you've got to. Stop imagining you somewhere else, you someone else, you with someone else, you in someone else's car, you in somebody else's house. Cut it out and start to imagine your life as it is, building from the ground up and honouring God through everything that you're doing. Start living that life. We are more so now than ever before living lives created uh, by other people's imaginations. Stop chasing fantasies. Ecclesiastes says it's like chasing the wind. Even if you got it, what would you do with it? Even if you got it, that's the amazing thing. Even if you got it, it wouldn't give you what you thought it would. So I wanted to share with you three areas in which God teaches us to dominate, slay, Kill and eat, regard as our blessing, work is a blessing, and these things are the things we should work on. They're described in 2 Timothy chapter two. And so verse four says this, no one serving as a soldier. Now I know it's, it's really cheesy to ask you to repeat a word, but it really does help you remember. It helps me remember too. So when we get to the three roles I'm going to ask you to repeat the words. So the first one is right there. Uh, No no one's serving as a soldier. So would you mind repeating the word soldier for me on the count of three? One, two, three. Soldier Soldier is a role uh, gets entangled in civilian affairs. So I'm called to work one thing. I must make sure I don't get caught up in something. But rather tries to please his commanding officer. Number two, similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete. So there's the next role. On the count of three, one, two, three athlete, there we go, uh, does not receive the victor's crown except if he competes according to the rules. Number three, the hard-working farmer, one, two, three, farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. So can you remember all three of them? The first one was the, yeah, and the second one was the, and the third, the farmer. Uh, these, are, these are careers, but they're careers that help us understand our, our role on the planet. And I, I want to do—I do, uh, specifically address those uh, three. The first idea I want to uh, remind you of is that God has called you to fight a soldier. God has called you to fight. Do you know, we have to fight for some things and God designed it like that. The children of Israel had to chase out their enemies when they got to the promised land. They had to conquer something. And they had to conquer their own hearts and their own fears. And they had to conquer the temptations of this world. And they had to conquer the ideas of a a, a multinational world that was teaching them about foreign gods and foreign temples. And they had to put their flag up for their God. We have to start picking some fights that are worth winning. I think we are so easily intimidated that if we are have an aggressive edge on some things, that it's toxic. But not all uh, aggression is toxic. Jesus turned the tables over of the moneylenders in the temple. He took out a whip and He chased them away I'm sure he would be cancelled in today's culture for doing something like that. But what Jesus was saying is not on my watch, not in my house, not in my time, I'm not allowing that. I am willing to pick a fight for what's right and what's righteous. Where are the soldiers? Everybody kitted up with the armour of God, studies and understands Ephesians chapter five and six really well, nobody going to war. I think we have to fight for it. We have to fight for church again. We have to fight. We have to fight for the education of young people to be grounded in something more solid. Please don't email me. Just email Vince. I, I smiled. I smiled uh, today when at some competition. I, I'm probably going to irritate somebody. I'm in my soldier game right now. I'm going to be an athlete in a minute, but right now I'm a soldier. I'm going to be an athlete. But like there was some cycling competition, and a transgender uh, um, a male competing as a female won, and he got on the podium at number one, and number two and number three wouldn't stand with because they were like, "We'll make our own podium with ladies, and then you can have your own podium on yourself," because there's a line to draw somewhere. There's a line to draw somewhere. And I know the tensions rise out there. Do you know what's happening? The spirit of this world is saying be more like us, agree with us, Say it our way. And while they're doing that, they're ripping the church out from underneath and saying, church, what a load of nonsense church. It's all about the money church. Who still believes rubbish like that? And they're busy filling your mind with fantasies. You're not working your field because you're chasing after fantasies and they're gonna amount to nothing. (laughs) Gonna amount to nothing. It'll never be enough. It'll never be enough. You just go... I mean the the level at which the immaturity of culture has now reached is outrageous. And we have to pick a fight. Not not with a person, remember it's the spirit. We must come with the spirit of God against the spirit of this world, for we have not received the spirit of this world. I consider people to have blind eyes. I don't blame the blindness, I blame the deceiver who has come to blind the eyes of this world. Can you can you say amen to that? You have to pick a fight. You know, there's this passage in, in, in Scripture, uh, the value of dry bones, uh, the, the bone come to bone and flesh come on and sinew and skin and they rise up and the breath of God breathes on them and then the saints don't read any further. I just want to be spiritual, full of the Spirit, full of the Spirit. I want to speak in tongues. I want to have deeper worship, longer worship, better worship. This church's worship's more into it than that church's. But the next verse was the punchline. And they rose a mighty army. Soaking and seeking and seeking and soaking, but never fighting for things that are worth fighting for. I think we need to do that. You know those five stones that David had to kill Goliath. You, you know you and I are the stones, right? Oh, you didn't know that. It's a, it's a picture. David is Jesus. You and I are the stones. Goliath is the spirit of this world. God said to Peter, you are this rock, And on that rock, I will build my church. I am a stone set on a cornerstone, built up into a temple, a stone fitted into a place, thrown out into the world, a stone for Christ. Have to pick a fight. I have to fight for things. That's one of the areas we have to work on. Secondly, the idea of being a runner. Now, look, I'm not a good runner. I'll be honest. I don't feel I was wired for long distance running. Just biologically. Every individual here who is a standard issue human, you use so many steps to get one kilometre. I must double that. eh? So I feel that my one kilometre should count for two kilometres. You know, like dog years. I feel we should (laughs) multiply it out and I should be rewarded accordingly. But here's the idea of a runner. An athlete competes according to the rules. You fight for what's worth fighting for. You play the game the way God wants you to do it. I've got a road marked out for me. It may be different for somebody else, but for me, this is my race. This is my road. This is my path. This is God's plan for me. And that is what I'm called to work on. I must work on that. I must be good at that. I must be diligent at it. In the one instance, I must fight for things that are worth fighting for. In another instance, I must run the race that God has appointed me to run on. You've got to do it that way. That's where fulfilment, a sense of Eden and a resistance of this nomadic spirit uh, is, is resolved. You've got to run your race. Christians should be bringing their kids to church. It's the path God's called you to do. You can't be their father and their pastor and their best friend and their teacher. You're going to disappoint one or all or some of those. you have got to spread it into the things that God does the way God does them because there is authority and power in that. You have to work your field. You have to work it. I know, I... I don't have kids, and this is the second Sunday I've referred to raising kids. Last Sunday, I told people, have more kids. And I literally had a few people SMSing me saying, please don't make that a prayer. Like, you were just joking, hey, because I don't want to accidentally receive the spirit of twins. But (laughs) the point I was trying to make was, believe for a better. Don't buy the lie of downscaling your expectation. Now, let me tell you, we're called to run a race. And when you work at it and you run it well, uh, God blesses you. Thirdly, uh, the idea of a farmer who grows things. Actually, this verse has got quite a lot of vuma in it. It says the farmer is the first to enjoy of, its cro- of the crops. Do you know <clears throat> this idea that um, this idea that serving God uh, is, is 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 it costs more than it's worth? Be careful of that, because you know what the Bible tells me. I will receive God's blessings in this life and in the next if I do things God's way. The farmer eats from the land himself and has enough left over. I'll tell you one gardening story, then I'm gonna rattle off those five things and we can talk about them on another day because I'm almost at the end. I'll tell you a gardening story. I was quite embarrassed that like as a guy I tell too many gardening stories, but then I was reminded in, about John 15. Uh, uh, he, 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 we are the vine and he is the uh, gardener. So I felt like I was in good company. When I grew some veggies this year, the, 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 the birds came and stole my first few tomatoes. I was so upset. I was so annoyed. I'd grown them with such diligence. And those, what are those things called? Macefuls. In English, they called little brown jobs. I don't. Know, I don't know what else to. I don't know what are they called? Uh, mousy birds. Okay, but but that is a rodent then with wings. Then I, I would imagine. Anyway, they came and they ate them, and I was so annoyed. And I had little stones. over on my belt in little stones, and I'd wait for them in the afternoon to come and land, and then and then I would throw, and then. I'm In my mind, I started imagining pellet guns and things. But (laughs) we're not there yet, but we might get there. But anyway, then we got to the middle of the year and, you know, there was quite a lot of tomatoes. And at that point, I probably didn't care if a couple were eaten. Okay, at this point, I'm harvesting like 30 tomatoes a day. And I'm inviting the birds to please just come and deal with a few of them because ask Vince... Ask Vince, he'll tell you. I phoned him, I said, pop in for a coffee. I gave him like, I don't know, 60 tomatoes. Eventually he said, I really can't solve all your problems. Like That's his literal sentence. I've made four litres of tomato soup. It's so good. Tomatoes I grew, onions I grew, peppers I grew, garlic I grew, all in there. The only thing I didn't grow was chicken stock I put in there. I bought that. I mixed it all up. I'm eating a soup a day. I will until the second coming of Jesus. And I will still have tomato soup. And I got so worked up about the First few, you know, but then I I came to realize that's nothing more than my tithe, like those are the tithes to the birds of the air. And I've got so much left over, I've got to bless now. And if I didn't worry so much at the beginning of the harvest, I would have realized how much God had in mind for me at the end of the harvest. And then to add, is that capable? And then to add insult to injury, the birds, you know, they eat and then they process. And now I've got, I've got tomatoes sprouting up where I don't want them. Now I'm pulling them out. And i like, I want to have a meeting with the macefuls and say, can we plan this together? Can you eat my stuff? Middle of the year and then go to the neighbour and process, like I've got, I'm trying to figure out a plan here. Uh, when did your life become so, when did your life become so poor? that working your field isn't worth it? When did your dream about marriage become so poor that you couldn't be bothered about the field called relationships? You don't want to work on it. It's a mission. If you're not in a WhatsApp group, I don't want to know you, you know? When, when did we get to that? we got to work the field because the field is Abundant. Go to work the field, remember what I said last week if you 're watching this online or you haven't seen week one, please go watch it it's I think it 's worth it I really do i can 't watch myself so I just turn the video off and listen to the audio I said to Karen today, I wave my arms way too much but so I really struggle to watch but here's, here was the principle one of the principles I tried to express uh, communicate last week not only uh, is work a blessing and a and there is not scarcity but abundance. But God said he didn't let it rain until he put the man on the ground because the rain would have produced too much and there needed to be somebody who could manage the production. So he didn't let it rain until he had a man to handle it. You know sometimes it's not raining in your life because you've got to be man enough to receive what that rain is going to produce. You've got to be woman enough to receive what that rain will produce. And when you Rise up as a man, rise up as a woman. The rain falls in its right fields, and the fields will produce abundance. Can you say amen to that? Okay, so I'm going to finish. I'm going to, I don't want to keep, it's a new thing. Amma. We've just reduced the whole sentence to one word. I am going to share the five areas or bags or stones which you must slay, trust God for, and then we'll talk about it um, uh, um, in my book. Um, And some of this is humorous and I don't have time uh, to get into all of them. They're all probably a sermon on their own. But you need to work on these five things. Number one, you need a career for cash. (laughs) You didn't know church would be so practical. That's that's the, you need a career for cash. But there's a mindset behind that. Number two, you need a calling so you can be Christ-like. You know, nothing changes you more than the day you decide to invite a friend to church. When you decide to invite a friend to church, you decide to become invitation quality Christian. <laughs> it's awkward, isn't it? When you invite someone, they're to look at you and go, yeah, I can see that. What they shouldn't do is go, jeepers, do you go to church? That's probably, <laughs> probably not a, like, I mean, do it anyway, but like go home and just work it. Work the field. Can we say amen? If both you and your wife are shocked that one of you goes to church, work the field. Number three, you need conflict to build character. Gosh, so many things are good for me and I can't stand them. (laughs) But they're good for me. I'll I'll tell you. uh, we are 10, 10, 10, can we go to 10, 12, 10, 12, um, uh, a, a few years ago, about five years ago, the Lord said to me, uh, I mean, I, I hear the Lord through ideas that won't go away, I've never heard like a voice from heaven, like, uh, I hope that doesn't disappoint you, but I think I've done quite well with the Lord hearing, uh, speaking to me like that, and most of the people who hear a voice, they often land up on... on the news in all the wrong ways. Okay, so the Lord said to me, I want you to let people drive your car, not you. <laughs> but when you got like youngsters in a small group whatever and they wanna go grab a McDonald's or to let them drive your car. Oh, it killed me. <laughs> I had quite an old la- ra- Range Rover, cool one though. Oh. Now I've got an oldish but cool Jag with like 50,000 K on the clock, even though it's 10 years old. And I'm like, oh Lord, something else. Anybody else out there with advice, like the Lord is And one day I was reflecting on, why would the Lord ask me to do that, and I realized what it is. I don't have kids, so it's easy to become selfish. If I had kids, I'd be letting my kid drive the car. I'd face the dents when the dents come. I'd cringe when they tell me how they got it in 104 seconds. <laughs> I'd lose my mind when I found five chips under the seat. And God was telling me, you're going to become selfish if you don't open up those areas of your life and selfishness does not achieve the purpose of God. So I want you to let people use this stuff and I want you to deal with the emotion that that causes because conflict in your heart produces character. You're going to get too sensitive about everything. (laughs) Blend it out, Blend it out. How do you do it? Some of the youngsters here know you've driven my car and I've... I've grown in Christ-likeness. <sighs> Alrighty. I'll end there. Number four. We need community so we can feel completeness. You better work on this. Be part of a community, be in a group, start a group, stay in a group, stop wanting to go somewhere, stick around. Be community because community completes you. Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. Adam, have a wife and then be fruitful and multiply, Adam. It's a field you've got to work on. I have to do that. Every now and then people leave PE, they leave Father's house.